the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. News. WTBN. Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse. Sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. In other words, there is a moral aspect to this law. And the moral aspect is that never changes is take one day off a week. But it does not have to be Saturday. And we know this because the New Testament changes it. Unlike the other moral laws found in the Ten Commandments, such as adultery and and murder, which continue forever, unchanged, the New Testament makes it clear that God did set aside Saturday as the required day of rest. He never set aside the principle that we need a day off, but he did set aside Saturday as having to be that day off. Someone has wisely said that rest is not idleness. To lie sometimes on the grass under a tree on a summer day listening to the water or the wind and the birds or maybe to watch clouds float by is by no means a waste of time. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida is guiding us through the Ten Commandments. In our last class, he began a three-part message about the Fourth Commandment, the Sabbath. Do the Ten Commandments apply to the church? Are they binding on you and me as Christ followers? Well, indeed they are. But this fourth one seems to generate a lot of controversy. Are we required to rest on Saturday, or is it Sunday now? And if it's now Sunday, how and why did it change? Perhaps the particular day is not as important as the fact that we do occasionally get some rest one day a week. We will be considering those questions today. Before we begin, let me read to you from Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant or your cattle, or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, here is Pastor Steve with today's lesson. Now, it's very interesting that in this list of persons mentioned, uh, there's no mention here of a wife. No mention of a wife ceasing from her daily work. So, does this mean that a wife is not to have any time off? That there's no break from any domestic activity? No, because just a few chapters later, in Exodus 35, God adds to it. God adds to this list of Sabbath restrictions. Notice, it says in Exodus 35, verse 1, Then Moses assembled all the congregation of the sons of Israel and said to them, These are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. For six days work may be done, but on the seventh day you shall, not, or you shall have a holy day, a Sabbath of complete rest of the Lord. Whoever does not work 
Whoever does any work, rather, on, the, on this day shall be put to death. You shall not, and then he adds this, you shall not kindle a fire in any of your dwellings on the Sabbath day. He specifies here that no fires were to be in the home, meaning that no cooking was to be done. That's what a wife would normally do. She'd kindle a fire and, and cook with it. So this means that a wife was not to do her routine domestic work on the Sabbath either. In fact, even today, Orthodox Jews will not light a fire on the Sabbath. They will hire a Gentile to do this. It's true. So if you're looking for any extra employment, you don't mind working on a Friday night, Saturday, Friday night starts the Sabbath, and you can get a job doing that. Now, the main principle then behind the Sabbath law of rest was that God, out of a, now watch this, out of a heart of compassion, out of mercy, gave everybody a day off during the week, one day off a week. That is the point of this law. No one is supposed to work 24-7. No one. Not even be burden. Give them time to rest. Your servants, your slaves, give them time to rest. The Jewish people coming out of Egypt had no time to rest. They were slaves. And God says, now that you are free men, remember to be merciful to your, your slaves. In other words, the Sabbath day was set aside for man's benefit in order to refresh him physically so that he wouldn't burn out from his unceasing labors. I mean, this is what Jesus meant when he said in the New Testament that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It's not supposed to be a burden to him. It's supposed to lift the burden off of him. Those who are workaholics, who never take any time off during the week, they have violated the spirit of this law, the very intent of this law. They have sinned against God in their quest to make more money or satisfy, uh, satisfy a need to feel significant by working seven days a week, or, or maybe you feel like you can't get away, the business needs you, you have to pay full attention every day of the week. Not only, not only have you sinned against God, but you have hurt yourself physically because nobody can put themselves under that strain and, and pressure all the time without breaking down somewhere. And in addition to that, they have damaged their marriage because they don't have time to build a relationship with their spouse. There, there are many reasons. It's just wrong to work seven days a week. You see, everybody, everybody needs a day off to recharge their batteries. That's why I always insist with, with each member of our pastoral staff that they take one day off a week. They need to be away from the office. They need to be away from the ministry issues. They don't need to be here. And ordinarily, normally what happens is when we take on a new staff member, uh, this person will say to me when I say, you need to take a day off, oh no, I'm fine, I'm fine, and they're very enthused, and I'll say, let me tell you, in a few months, you'll not want to see this place. You'll want to be away. Start now. That, that's something that, that we have to do. And I would encourage you to respect that with our pastoral staff and, and help us on that. And it's a good thing he's not, he's not here because I'm going to mention Jack in this regard. Jack, do you realize that Jack, and his Sabbath day of rest is Monday. That would be his day off. Um, let me appeal to you. Don't call Jack on Monday. Don't call him at home. There are times Jack will come in and on Tuesday and I'll say, well, how was your day off? Did you get a good day off? I say, Steve, I got three, four phone calls at home. Now, call him if it's a life and death issue on Mondays. But otherwise, don't do that. Don't do that. This man needs, as we all do, a day off. Physically, a day off. Emotionally, mentally. We don't want him to think about anything concerning the ministry on Mondays. So I I would appreciate if you would just honor that. And uh, everybody needs one day off a week. You see, God designed us that way. 
God designed us that we need to do that. There seems to be built into man's makeup an intrinsic need to rest one day out of a seven-day period. Kent Hughes, in his book on the Ten Commandments, brings this out when he states this. He writes, physically, the created order is such that humankind needs a rest in the pattern of the seven-day cycle. This has been proven repeatedly in history. During the French Revolution, radicals abolished Sunday, but they found that the health of the nation suffered, and they had to reinstate it. The Russian communists, on the theory that they had created a new man, instituted a much ballyhooed 10-day week. But despite its super workers, the new order, uh, the new social order miserably failed. God's rhythm is best for men and women because God created them. And I understand the Egyptians had a nine-day week, but it works out with a seven-day week and then one day off during that time. Now, this principle of resting one day out of seven is so important that God himself set the example and the pattern for the human race by working six days in creating the world and then resting on the seventh day. That's the rationale that the Ten Commandments gives, that the Fourth Commandment gives for our Sabbath rest. Notice Exodus 20, verse 11. Here's the reason behind it. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the seas and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, let's stop for a moment and think about this. Have you ever wondered why God created the universe in six literal days? He could have done it instantaneously. He could have done it in six seconds. Could have done it in six weeks. Could have done it in six months, six years. 6,000 years. God could have stretched this out, but he didn't. He deliberately created the universe in six literal days and then rested on the seventh day in order, watch this, to establish a moral and eternal principle and pattern for us to follow. Let's look at this more closely. Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2 is what the fourth commandment is referring to, and so let's look at it. The beginning of chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed and all their hosts. By the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all of his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. And we're told in these verses that God rested. But we are not to conclude from this that God was tired or worn out, that he needed a rest, that he needed a break because he was exhausted. That's not what scripture teaches. Isaiah 40, verse 28 says, the creator of the ends of the earth neither faints nor is weary. God never tires. Psalm 121, verse four says, behold, he who keeps Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. God never ceases in one sense from working. Providentially, God is always at work. In fact, when he finished The work of creation here, which is all that that's talking about, his work of sustaining the universe continued, and it continues even now. But what what Genesis means is this. this. God ceased from his creative labors, not because he needed to rest, but because, and here's the point, he was establishing an eternal pattern for mankind to follow. Six days of work are to be followed by one day of rest. That's why he did this, for our benefit, not his. 
Now, it's important to note, and I want you to pay attention to this, that even though God established a pattern for man of working six days and then resting on the seventh, there is nothing stated in the Old Testament that suggests that God demanded anyone to actually observe Saturday as that particular day of rest before the time that he gave the law to Israel. There's no record of that. There is no record in scripture of Abraham or any of the other patriarchs actually observing a Saturday rest. John Bunyan pointed out one of the few English Puritans who had a different viewpoint than the others of changing the Saturday Sabbath to Sunday. He wrote this, in all the scriptures, we do not read that the breach of a weekly Sabbath was charged upon any man from Adam to Moses. Now that's very interesting. What does that mean to us? Watch this. This is important. What that means is this, based on this, we can conclude that while there is an eternally binding moral aspect of this law in the sense that each of us is to take one day off a week to rest from our labors, this day does not have to be on Saturday, nor does it have to be on Sunday. doesn't have to be. The seventh day was uniquely given to Israel as their designated day off. It was also the sign of the covenant that by keeping it, they were, they were giving a sign that, that they were observing all the law, or at least they said they were. And if, if rest from our physical labors was required to take place forever on Sundays, or Saturdays rather, if it, was, if it was required, if it was purely a moral principle that the day of the week that you took off had to be Saturday, then God would never have changed it. God would never have changed it. It would be a requirement even today, but he did change it. In other words, there is a moral aspect to this law. And the moral aspect is that never changes is take one day off a week. But it does not have to be Saturday. And we know this because the New Testament changes it. Unlike the other moral laws found in the Ten Commandments, such as adultery and and murder, which continue forever, unchanged, The New Testament makes it clear that God did set aside Saturday as the required day of rest. He never set aside the principle that we need a day off, but he did set aside Saturday as having to be that day off. That brings us to the second purpose of the Sabbath, and we're going to tie this in together. The first purpose of the Sabbath is this. It provides a day of physical rest. Folks, you need that. If you don't take a day off, you're you're wrong. You're wrong. You need to take a day off for just pure rest and refreshment from hard work. So make sure that you do that. You need that mentally, you need that emotionally, you need that physically. The second purpose of the Sabbath is not only to provide a day of physical rest, it is to point to salvation in Jesus Christ. The purpose of the Sabbath was to point us, specifically the Israelites, to salvation in Christ. See, what what makes this law so challenging to interpret is trying to understand what parts of it are morally binding and what parts of it are ceremonially. Uh, not binding, but what parts are, are ceremonially and in terms of, of its nature. It has to be moral in some sense or else it would not be part of the Ten Commandments. All the Ten Commandments are moral in some sense. But what makes this unique is that there appears to be a blending of moral and ceremonial in this law. The moral aspect, as we said, is that we are to rest one day out of the week. That never changes. That will never change. That is an eternal truth. God has engraved it in our hearts that one day a week 
needs to be given over to complete rest. At least rest from our routine employment. But the New Testament makes it clear that the Sabbath law was also ceremonial and symbolic in nature, meaning that like the other Old Testament pictures of Christ and his death, this was a picture, a picture of Jesus Christ. It was only symbolic. It ended with the death of our Savior. Colossians, all the way in the New Testament, Colossians chapter 2 speaks of this. In Colossians chapter 2, Paul, beginning at verse 13, is referring to the finished work of Christ on the cross. And it's fascinating what he has to say. He says in verse 13, Colossians chapter 2, when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Paul is referring to the finished work of Jesus Christ in redemption. Christ's payment for our sins freed us from the condemnation of the law. His redemptive work is finished. That's what he's saying. God nailed our sins to the cross. We bear it no more. What a wonderful truth. His redemptive work is over. Now, notice Paul's application of that truth. In light of that, he says in verse 16, therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. And he identifies why. Things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Paul instructs the Colossians not to let anyone put them back under the Old Testament law, not to let anyone be their judge. He says, he calls these laws shadowy pictures of Christ, just shadows, not substance, not reality. They're just shadows. Dietary laws, Jewish feasts, And he mentions specifically Sabbath days. Sabbath days. Isn't that interesting? Why does he mention Sabbath days? Watch this. Because the Sabbath rest that God so graciously provided in his law was a picture of our rest in Jesus Christ for salvation. It's exactly what it is. In other words, physical resting on Sundays was God's illustration of what it means to spiritually rest in Christ and his redemptive work. There is a rest for our souls. Now, Paul mentions it here, but the writer to the Hebrews expands and clarifies this. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 4. The whole book of Hebrews, quite frankly, is centered around this very issue. There is is the background of Hebrews in which you had some Jewish people who were believers. Thus, the book is called Hebrews. But you had some Jewish believers who had not yet come to faith in Christ. And, And the writer is continually urging them along, not to stay in unbelief, but to come out of Judaism, to to leave the pictures for the reality. And he states, beginning in verse 1, I'm just going to read it to you and then, and then comment on it. He says, therefore, verse 1, let us fear if while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to come short of it. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. He's going back to the Old Testament now, speaking of the analogy of the Jewish people who did not enter into the land of Canaan, into that rest because of their unbelief. Remember, they wandered around for about 40 years. That's what he's talking about. Verse 3, for we who have believed enter that rest, just as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, 
They shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience, he again fixes a certain day today, saying through David after so long a time, just as has been said before today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your Hearts. Now, what he, what he means by this is this. He is making an analogy between the Old Testament Jewish people who, because of their unbelief, did not enter into the physical rest of Canaan, the land of Canaan. They did not believe God, and therefore they wandered in the wilderness for essentially 40 years until that whole generation was wiped out, and a new generation entered the land of, of Canaan. But what the writer is doing is he's saying that, that heaven is like Canaan. Canaan and the Sabbath rest is a picture of heaven and the heavenly rest, the final rest, the rest of salvation. He speaks of a greater rest, that is a heavenly eternal rest. And folks, that's what the Sabbath law pictures, ceasing from our own efforts and our own works and resting in Christ's finished work of redemption. Verses eight through 10 bring this out even further. For if Joshua had given them rest. Joshua was the one who they entered the, the promised land with. He was their leader. It says if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. If that's all the rest that God meant, he's saying, then there'd be nothing more said about it. But it, there is more said. So there he says in verse 9, so there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also entered or rested rather from his works as God did from his. In other words, the Sabbath rest is a symbol, just a picture of what it means to truly rest in Christ for our spiritual salvation. The Sabbath law pointed to the way of salvation. It told people, you know what? The rest that God wants you to have is not simply a physical rest. It is that, but don't stop there. It is a spiritual rest for your souls. As God ceased from his labor, cease from your labor. Stop trying to earn your way to heaven. Stop trying to live by the commandments. Stop, stop trying to earn salvation by good works. Rest. Cease from working your way to heaven and trust. Trust that Christ has done all the saving work on your behalf. That's what this is about. It points to that. Points to that. It's a precious picture. And the Old Testament was filled with that. Pictures. Indeed, Jesus has done it all for us. But it's not always easy to trust in that, is it? Old Uncle Oscar had never flown before and he was pretty nervous about it. But he finally mustered the courage to make an airplane trip. When he returned, his friends asked him if he liked it. He said, well, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. But I'll tell you what, I never did put all my weight down. We naturally find it hard to trust, and in our modern society, the concept of rest is just as elusive. But among other things, the Sabbath is a wonderful picture of how we can rest, put our full weight on the Lord Jesus, and trust in what He did for us on the cross. We have seen in these past two verse-by-verse radio classes that the Sabbath commandment gives us a day of physical rest, and it also points us to Jesus Christ. The Sabbath provides something else for us, as we will learn next time when Pastor Steve Kreloff wraps up this three-part message, part of a series of lessons from the Ten Commandments. 
Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These radio versions of his messages are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. To listen to the entire message without any announcements, you can call us and order a cassette or a CD. The phone number is 727-239-0306. If you would like to listen again to today's class, please visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can click on the Listen Now link to review today's broadcast. Hundreds of previous lessons are available in MP3 format on our archives page. If these Bible classes of the air are helpful, we hope that you will prayerfully consider helping to finance them. Because of financial constraints, we have had to slow down production and rebroadcast some previously aired programs. You can help us to keep fresh material going out over the airwaves. Visit our website and click on the Support Us link to find out how to partner with us. The web address again is versebyverseradio.org. For many people, the Sabbath seems like a burden. If that is true for you, then something is wrong, because the Sabbath is meant to provide us with spiritual refreshment. Find out more on the next Verse by Verse. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's verse... If you're concerned about... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.